A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> guys welcome back to the pull hitter podcast first episode of 2021 i hope everyone is doing well out there and they enjoyed a happy and healthy holidays and are ringing in this new year with some grand optimism today i am bringing on mr matt modica a very well established and successful high stakes player in the nfbc i first noticed matt when i really started to ramp up my fantasy baseball analysis last season and when I started following him on Twitter and reading his stuff on The Athletic I he had a tweet of his final team standings for 2019 the NFBC and it was really impressive it was uh I knew I wanted to get you know my feet wet in the NFBC and seeing one of those tweets where you see how someone can be extremely successful um, and making lots of money, and obviously that's not going to happen for everyone. You're not just going to be able to step in and um, be successful. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of years, of course, but it's still um, one of those driving motivations to say, wow, you know, if I can really become a, an established player real, and you put in the work to have a solid process and a solid system, um, you know, th- those things are possible. So... Again, one it was one of my biggest motivators to get involved in the NFBC and some high-stakes fantasy baseball world. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to bring Matt on and pick his brain about several strategy talks. We're not really going to get into player analysis. You know, We sprinkled some player talk here and there, but the meat of it, I wanted it to be how we're approaching draft champions, how he approaches auction strategies in some high-stakes auction leagues, and... Yeah, so we get into that and talk about some current trends in the draft champions as well and why it's so important to get involved in drafts right now. So with that being said, um, let's get into the episode, guys. Thanks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast, first one of 2021. My first guest this year is none other than Mr. Matt Modica. How are you doing tonight? Matt? I'm doing pretty good, you know. Uh, just trying to keep it as normal as possible every day, and hopefully this all ends soon. 
<laughs> right. I hear you, man. Just uh, keep swimming. That's what that's what we all have to do. We'll get through this and baseball will be starting up hopefully before we know it. And, um, you know, we can get back to uh, digging into all this fun draft stuff like we're doing now. I know you're involved in a couple of draft champions. Um, I'm doing one. Uh, it's definitely something I want to dive into later on in our episode. But um, so I just what I'd like to do with my guests real quick is uh, obviously get a chance to, uh, you know, introduce yourself to tell anyone if you've gotten any project working on what you're doing now. And, um, and then I'd like to just get into like the history of like how you got into uh, fantasy and all that stuff. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, like you said, right now I'm doing three uh, draft champions. I started in the last week or so which is actually very late for me. I'm usually early November or by Thanksgiving, but it's actually, I think, worked out better because I'm still going to do a ton of DCs. I I love them. I don't necessarily play for the overall with the draft champion. I I would love to win one like you did, but, you know, (laughs) we all can't be you. But uh, I think they're great in many aspects. And uh, I'll say this real quick on it. I think it's great, you know, obviously getting the player pool, getting a feel of, you know, what's going on with, with, with the market, what other people are thinking. But if you're going to play in high stakes and you want to play some main events and you're going to pony up 1700 or you want to play a super and that's 2500 you play, say you win your 400 draft champion. The payout there is three grand. So if, if I won that and I get that 3,000 and say I did a super and I didn't cash, right there I'm even. At least that's right. the way I'm going at it. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm trying to, you know, get as much knowledge, as much feel. For me, it's about like, you know, kind of like a rhythm drafting. Uh, I don't have fancy systems and all that. I'm kind of old school. You know, I'll look at some projections, but I'll have an idea of what I expect from guys. And then I'll go off of that, like, what's the possibility of this guy actually hitting that? So the Draft Champions is a blast. It's a lot of fun. I recommend everybody do it. Uh, Everybody get involved. I I see a lot of people now uh, getting into them together. I know you got one with Mason and a few people. I got smarter, uh, uh, Jorge, I think, well, fish is in everything. Fish is in everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying to think, um, who do we got? There's a couple other people in there too, really good players. So right. it's good. It's challenging. So that's what, you know, I've been working on this week and it's, you know, now I think I might've been up a little too much because now I'm like, always on the clock and stuff. So I just looked at my phone and I, Kind of like wasted 30, 40 minutes, and I always feel bad when that happens to people. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's really, it gets to a point sometimes where you're just like, maybe I shouldn't have joined this third one, you know? It's uh, mm-hmm. But it's fun, you know? It, and, and like you said, I think it's great to get involved with it, get into it, and... Um, if you want to have a good knowledge of the player pool and be ready and be sharp for March, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to do that, you know? And uh, Yeah, I, right? I think we right there. And it's also a time to experiment. And I, I will do that. Like I've heard uh, you, everybody talking about, you know, three, three starting pitches in five rounds and all that. And when I look at it, I say, yeah, that seems like the logical way to go. 
And then when you get in the draft, it's just not happening like that right now. But it's also good that I'm seeing by not taking the starting pitching early. And I, I, and I should preface that. I'm not getting three in the first five. But in two of my three drafts, I started off with either DeGrom or Cole. And that does give you a lot of leeway. But you also don't want to take one of those guys and then not get any pitching after it because you're not really supporting them. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it's kind of a catch-22. But uh, I'm trying out a few different things here. Uh, I've noticed in two or three drafts I've taken Randy or Rosa Rayner. I didn't expect myself to do that. I don't know, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on all the projections I keep seeing or that month of October is still fresh in my mind. That may be a mistake, but I've But that's that a good time. thing that you actually are, that's a good um thing I wanted to ask you, you know, what what is fresh in your mind? Like how what are you pushing to the forefront of player evaluation from what you've seen last year? Is it just uh, on a player by player basis, um, something like that, or you know what? How much are you, I guess, incorporating what you just saw? Because I mean, to me in the playoffs, it, you know, how could you not be captivated by the guy, right? You know, he he was just hitting all different types of pitches, um, pitches in different locations off of you know good pitchers and he was just on fire, you know? So I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to like not incorporate that into how you feel about him going into this year. I feel. Yeah. I mean, for last year, it was probably the first year I watched actually not a lot of baseball. And one of the things I think is my strength is actually watching a lot of baseball. Okay. And it just happened. I moved into a house and all this and, you know, with everything going on, it, it just didn't work out. But I did get to watch more as, as the playoffs started and uh, stuff like that. But as far as last season, I'm looking at the guys that succeeded, you know, outside of the stars or the guys that we thought would be good. Mm-hmm. Was it real? Like, what did they improve to do this over this uh, short sample? And the guys that I thought would be good or say I drafted in the second or third round that didn't come through – what happened to them? And like a Gleyber Torres, who in the fifth round, I love taking Gleyber. I, right. I think that's, that's a great price for him. Uh, or like an Austin Meadows going late six, early seven. Uh, I mean, the argument could always be Freddie Freeman had, had COVID. He had it really bad. He went on to be the MVP. But a yeah. lot of these other guys just never got on track, were never healthy enough and all that. And – uh, so if, if the guy was good prior and there's reasons for why it was a disaster or something like that, like Jack Flaherty, I really don't know what to do with Flaherty. He had to have something wrong with him last year because even when they came back, they didn't pitch him right away, and it was just weird. Right, so, 100% agreed. Yeah. You know, right. I'm still trying to figure things out, and I've been, you know, I, I've been trying to – I've been prepping for two months you know, between getting yeah. ready for Christmas, you know, we're a big Christmas household here. We had our tree up like November 7th. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, so, you know, you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, as you go through it, you'll see, like, I, I saw, like, when, like, say with first base, I was debating on should I take a Rizzo or a Goldsmith here, and I mm-hmm. didn't. And the next, like, three picks were Rizzo, Goldsmith, and maybe somebody else. Right. And then the next round, and it was earlier, I took Hosmer. 
I think Hosmer can be just as good as those guys or in, in that vicinity. But in a draft champions, I need a guy that's going to get the at-bats and play every day. He's in a sick lineup. I mean, everybody loves Trent Grisham. I'm not really a Trent Grisham guy. I like him, but uh, there's others maybe I, I like in, in that area or, or starting pitching. But if you like Grisham, you like Tatis, uh, you like Machado, right. Hosmer's going to play that contract and – he looked good last year. He, he didn't hurt the finger, but he's going to play. So in a draft champions, uh, I, I'm going to get the position players I need that are going to get the at-bats. And, I mean, at some point, I'm not really going to be a slave to the ADP where, where I know i got to get that one guy or he's that guy, that, that last guy on that level, and then it falls off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's an por- important aspect with uh, draft champions as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do, do you, um, are you able to identify like that point in the like draft where you feel like the at-bats that are about to, you know, like a cutoff where the at-bats start to get like very platoonish guys who are suspect to that and like, do you try to make sure to avoid those guys? Because I know you wrote about the outfield, like, you, you know, it, it like a lot of people say, oh, I can get it later, but I know you... You said the the outfield is deep, but you need five, you know. So the studs are scarce, and non-sexy guys like Castellanos, Conforto, and Rosario are rocks. And I totally agree with you. Like I mentioned uh, prior to the show, like Eddie Rosario, just the guy who's just like when he was falling to me, I was like, yeah, I'll I'll take him there. When I wanted to go, like maybe get my third pitcher, it just was how can you say no to him, you know? Yeah, and even like Conforto, I don't think Conforto is going to hit three twenty this year. But I do think Conforto is going to bat fourth or in the heart of that lineup and hit, you know, the, the, the idea of him finishing with 30 homers, 90, RB, uh, uh, 90 runs and 90 RBIs is real. It is. And with a, with a 255 to say a 270-ish average, the, the average isn't going to hurt you. And you need, the, you need those, uh, you know, those counting stats. And you need a guy that's going to be in, in the lineup every day. In, in the heart of an order. So, I mean, look, I think Andrew McCutcheon's great. I think he's a really good target later. I, I would like to get him. I want McCutcheon to be, you know, my fourth or fifth outfielder. Right. I don't want him to be my third outfielder. Look, he's, you know, he's getting older. I'm going to be 48 in May. And the older you get, you <laughs> know, things start, and I'm no athlete, but, you know, things start adding up and you just don't bounce back, I'm, you know. We saw it with the steroid era, and guys would come right back. But, you know, for the most part, people start to go on a downslide. And I'm not really trying to point out on Andrew McCutcheon. I'm just saying the older guys get, the collapse rate becomes greater. That's right. the point I'm trying to get. And even with some of these younger guys that we think are going to do it, you know, they're still, if they get in a slump early, that hurts them. And then, you know, maybe they're platooning or they get sent back down for a little bit. Right. So it's and just it's, issues. It's like I get so excited. <laughs> like I just, you know, got like Adam Frazier in the 27th round. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and like it excites me that, like, you know, got like 500, you know, plate appearances, like that late plus the dual eligibility, you know, uh, just again, like not sexy guy, but one of those guys that could just in that no, no pickup format, you know, he's going to be there leading off on, uh, you know, playing two spots. So you're going to, you're going to play them more often than not, you know? 
And, and I think you have to go into it with the understanding that you're going to be weak at one position. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things I learned uh, it, more so for the main event, but even for this, it's just tough to get, you know, to fill every slot. And that was from Steve Japinka, who's one of the best. And, you know, he was like, look, you're, you're going to have a weak spot in, in, on a 15-team league. It's just that simple. And, you know, maybe you get that one guy, then you get a younger guy later. And, you know, but I mean, like, I'm looking at some of these drafts, like Stalin, Castro, I'm excited to have as, you know, either either my middle or if I got him as a second baseman with somebody else. Absolutely. Or right. like in the early 20s, I was going like Votto, Belt, and Longoria. And I'm like, wait, what year is this? But, you know, <laughs> yeah, no. he's going to get the at-bats if he can stay healthy, if he's on the field. Votto's going to get the at-bats. Uh, Belt, you know, the park changed. You know, but he's coming off a heel injury. Right. So, I mean, later on, you're just going to need guys. Guys are going to get hurt. And, you know, you got to fill in corners. And, you know, you got to have backups. So, it, it gets weird. It gets weird. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I think my approach with the pitching, if I'm not getting it early, I'm trying to pound out, like, multiple guys. After I get, say, those rocks I talked about, mm-hmm. get a couple of those guys, from that point on, maybe, like, you know, pound out, like, four or five pitchers that, you know, maybe you're not so comfortable taking them there. But if you get, like, four of them, hopefully two or three hit. Right. You're saying like four out of your uh, – four or five out of your next um, – like out of how many rounds are you looking at? Are you usually well, like I mean, it those? depends. Like when I, yeah. when I only had one starter in the first five rounds, and then after I took uh, Rosario in the ninth, I did the next four rounds. You know, it was – do I feel comfortable taking like a Joe Musgrove? Right. No. But I don't really like the other guys that much neither. And, you know, maybe if I get him, I get Eflin, I get Montgomery, uh, right. you know, maybe a smiley type or whoever. Like, Savalia, you know, like those type of guys where at that point you're trying to hit it up with maybe quantity over right. quality, but hoping one of these guys can actually, one or two actually break out and can really help you. Right. Especially, it's like, one thing I've been uh, – I've been trying to open up myself more to is the fact that the inning pitch workload is shrinking for starters. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it, it's getting closer to like a 50, 50 split between wins and, and, and innings pitch between starters and relievers. And, you know, I, I'm trying to get it into my brain that sometimes maybe if we can't like a guy doesn't show that 160 to 180 inning pitch potential, but maybe they have like a strong 130, you know, mm-hmm. like projection. Like how much, you know, does that still hold value to your team? And a lot of times I say yes, you know, because um, – and I don't target these guys, but I think some people just like completely eliminate them, which I think is maybe wrong because I think I think it's, you know, it's trending. It, things are trending differently, and you just want quality innings, I feel like, especially in the D.C., right? Well, yeah, that's the, the point here, too, is we're in a draft champions. So you're not going to have the in-season pickups. And, I, I mean, after a certain point, there's guys that I really don't even like. Like, you know, right. I mean, I'm going to take them and at some point if they're there. But you want to have guys like hopefully Joe Musgrove is traded. That's what you're hoping for there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I want him off of Pittsburgh, uh, put him in a new spot, 
you know, some, some uh, new voices around them, a better ball club. It seems like they're going to clear house. But, I mean, when you're looking around from that 100 to 200, it's just a lot of guys that there's things you like about them. A lot of things you say, I don't know, like Jordan Montgomery. I think if he gets 30 starts, it's going to be really good. The question right. is, how many starts will Jordan Montgomery actually get? Right. I, I, that I don't know. I mean, Zach <laughs> Eflin has shown flashes in the past. He improved the last year, you know, in, in the sprint. So there's things about him I like. Uh, he's going to be a part of that rotation. Uh, even how about Sorry, a guy like John Means? Oh, I'm sorry, God, yes. Valley, no, no, no. right? Let's go to John Means. I think there's a lot to like about John Means. The right. only thing that's keeping me from drafting him, it's like drafting a Rockies pitcher. It's like Coors East in Baltimore. Right. And you got to go up against the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the you know the Red Sox. They yep. still got good hitters. Absolutely. I, I, I think JD's going to bounce back. You know, Devers could be an MVP candidate. 100%. Right. And so, good hitters I mean, parks, too. Like, you know, they're yeah. playing in Buffalo and Boston. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not that I don't think he's good or made changes. It's what does he have to overcome? He's like the Herman Her Marquez. Yeah. Not a, you know, or trending to be that for me in the American League. It's like, am I going to take him or maybe a Savalle who's in an easier division or an Eflin, you, you know, that's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, maybe right. that's wrong. And then the other thing, too, is when you start doing a bunch of these, you start seeing trends, you see where you should have got guys, you, you start realizing that's where I, I need to take him or maybe I need to be a little aggressive, you know. Because the ADP says 186, you may have to take the guy at 172 if that's who you really want. Right. Because, you know, if, if you look at that and you say, no, you know what, I'm going to wait – and then he's gone, and you're like, now I'm settling for this guy that I really don't want. Right. So, yeah, that's a, I think that's an important lesson. Just go up and get your guy where you feel comfortable. Not, as long as you don't think you're completely overreaching, you know. Yeah, no, I reason. mean, there's a certain point. Right. Yeah. But there's yeah. also, like, when we're talking draft champions, you got to have those slots. And for, look, you got to have some sort of a plan. You can go in with the plan that you're going to draft three starting pitchers in the first five rounds, and as you see all these pitchers getting pushed up, now you're like, okay, I'm going to take this hit. Like, Bueller's been going towards the end of the second round now. Right. I mean, Walker's falling down. Giolito's trending in that – I've seen him go in the, in, in the uh, back end of the first or just after the turn, and that's where he's probably going to settle in. Barrow yeah. went 21st in this last draft. That's the furthest I've seen him. So, you know, now if everybody's going to push up these pitches, there's going to be the hitters that are going to really fall in your lap. So, you, you know, you got to be able to adjust to and say, if I don't take the pitcher here, what does it look like going forward? Where am I comfortable with the next starting pitcher? Right. And exactly. Like you said about the pitchers getting pushed up, you know, you see, I know I noticed Bellinger, in the middle of the second and story getting close to the middle of the second. And it's, it's just interesting. It's wild to see that. You know? well, yeah. I mean, at some point you got to push back against it and say, right. just, you got to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. It's just, if, if it's going to, if everybody's going to do it, then the move is probably to do the opposite. What is your, what is your um, general strategy, I guess, for closers, um, uh, you know, like right about now and then as we get closer, do, do, you, do you 
have the same strategy, like um, getting a specific uh, slot or, or like a top tier guy, or do you wait? Uh, in, in a, put it this way. My two Achilles heels are drafting catches and closures when I should. I mean, I've mm. been pretty lucky on the catcher. I usually hit, hit on one of them late, but I hate drafting them. I hate drafting closers, but like in a main event, I'll usually take one guy I think who's like solid. Like one guy I think has really good skills, entrenched in the role. Again, I think has the job. Right, you know right. how it changes so rapidly. <laughs> and then I'll try and wait and get a couple of guys like later. But uh, so far it looks like I've taken uh, Hendricks in one of them. I just really love that guy's skills. And wherever he signs, I think it's got to be that's closure. Unless it was like the Yankees or something like that, or the, the Dodgers take him. I just think he's better than Kenley now. So right. if he right. took him, he should close. 100%. But I, I've taken him. The one guy I've seen to be, again, this is early on, is Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, I, I just like what he was able to do last year. Uh, he's healthy. He does have a checkered past of control. But, you know, he's what I've seen in, in that small sample, I liked. Uh, I'd love to see him go back to San Diego or a Chicago White Sox or something like that. Uh, so he's a guy that I've been specking on that I know could, you know, wind up being a bus pick, but it could also be a boom pick. Right, right. Yeah, it's um... – it's good that you mentioned, like, what, you know, what, what you're aware of that, you know, that's your kind of Achilles heel. I think it's important to know that, right? When you, as a player. I mean, it, it is important to know, yeah. but sometimes you just do it over and over. Yeah. I, I did take JT uh, Real Muto today in the, the second pick of the third round. I had the second to last pick of the second round, and I think Bueller had just gone before me. And I was debating on Woody or Gallon, and I was hoping I would either double up on those two or take Eloy for the third time because <laughs> uh, I, I have no problem being 100% invested in Eloy this year if, if, if that was the case. Right. But I, I took Woody uh, with the hope that one of those two guys would get back to me, but both went on the turn, and I was pretty pissed. Ah. So I said, you know what? I don't really, like, love the hitters here. And I said, I think now's the time to take uh, to take JT, get that over with, and see how my team looks uh, taking that catcher early. I did that as well in my draft champion. I'm doing right now. I took him in the third round, a little later than three two. I, I definitely like the middle towards the end. I think because I've gotten pick seven the first time, which actually I really liked being in the middle. Pick right. five wasn't bad. Because you can still get that second starter if you want, usually. Or if you're a Bichette or a Tucker guy, they'll fall to you there, too. So, pick five wasn't bad. But, like, I, I know Vlad Sedler said he doesn't want the first pick. And I had the second pick today. And I'm kind of not so crazy about it, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> I think I'm on board with him. Do you, do you, do you try different KDS Spots like is, is that your goal to try differently? Yeah, no, I would definitely uh, try and mix it up. Right, and you know, I, I think that's good. If, if you're going to do a few of them, like I bought a three pack the other day, you might as well do that. Just to you know, 
maybe you think you hate their early part, but the guys you like are there for you. Then that's a different, you know, that's a different story. So, right. you know, it's, it's all about trying that. Uh, I would like to get a Giolito on my team. So I'm definitely going to start heading towards the back in my next draft. But uh, like I said, I think he's going to settle, you know, either right at the back end or right on the turn. So I think so too. I think he's going to be one of those guys that creeps into the first round and stays there. Uh, I got him in my first DC, which was like the week, the first week of November, one of the Mike the Mouth specialty drafts. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, I was, I had a uh, six pick in the first round and I was able to do the Grom and him um, to start off. He definitely not going as you. late as he did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so happy, like little little teardrops. Right, I know, I know. It's like wow, like this is great because I, I don't think that you can get him, you know, that deep but that's now. The, but that's the beauty of drafting early. Like, you right. know, there's going to be some guys that are going to get hurt or some things that will go against you. But there's things that were available a couple of months ago. Like I, I tweeted out a few days ago, Jordan Montgomery was going in like the 16th or the 17th. Somebody else was going in the 16th. They're going in like the 13th. Or if you want them at the end of the 12th, you know, you might as well take them because they might not be there after that wraparound. You know, I really like what you do. I'm trying to make a practice of it too and how you like break down um, sections of of the ADP, like, you know, seeing the trend, doing two-week snapshots or three-week snapshots. Um, I think that's really – when I see you do that, I'm like, wow, that's such a good practice to get used to, like really paying attention. I I think that's important. 100%. 100%. I, I, right. I really do because whatever happened in November is gone. Right. It's, it's like reading an old newspaper or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you, could do, <laughs> if you could do like a three week, you want to have like at least 10 drafts or 12 drafts. So whatever that range is, but at least a month. Like what I'll do on, on my iPad or a computer, I'll have it at least a month. So it was January 6th today. I do December 6th to January 6th. Right. And I. And I, and, and I see it, but you know, it's everybody from the one takeaway I'll get from here is, you know, the Drew Smiley's that only pitched 26 innings, but look good. There are veteran guys that I've been playing with for a long time that are jumping him up. They're jumping up the Gosman one seven ten. That's a hundred, you know, and uh, even Joe Musgrove. I, I took him, I'm trying to think where the hell I took him. I was like, yeah. Okay, everybody else is gone. I'm really not crazy about anybody here. So, you know, every now and then you got to say, what the hell? <laughs> do you, I wanted to ask you about your split. Um, do you usually have like a predetermined amount of bats and arms that you want to end up with after your 50 rounds? Yes. Uh, I think 25-25 is, is the ideal number. Sometimes it's like 22, 23, 27. Right. But, <clears throat> you just you gotta have pitching and even if you gotta put in like that middle reliever that you were speculating or the setup guy you gotta get stats each week right and when you run out of pitching and you're not getting the stats and even for the hitting you know you gotta have the you gotta have those guys you gotta get stats every week so what about I think 25 25 is 25 yeah okay that's that's um I, I I tried to do am I am my draft champion last year. I tried I made the goal to do like twenty seven, twenty three mm-hmm. and I totally missed. I ended up doing twenty nine bat, twenty one arms. Um I just got lucky that every like my top five picks 
top five arms just through okay. everyone through. So, um, but this year I'm definitely making it more of an issue to close that gap because I, I know in the longer season, I'm going to definitely need um, some, you know, some more arms. What about um, specific positions like catchers? Do you try, like, are you a four guy? I know a lot of guys like to get five even, or if you got like I two. mean, I'll try and get four. Uh, one draft I did, like I said, the most recent one I took JT. The first one I have my catches, Gary Sanchez and Wilson Ramos. So, hmm. nice you know, I'm taking a chance there. But I think Wilson Ramos, if he gets a job, he's not going to play every day, but the guy can hit. I mean, oh, yeah. If, if you look past that sprint, he, he'll hit. I, I'm just more worried about where he's going to end up. And other ones where I kept missing the catches I wanted. I got another one with Carson Kelly and Danny Jansen. So, I don't know if that's that good because everybody's saying Alejandro Kirk's coming. And this and that, and Jansen was pretty awful last year. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think Carson Kelly can hit you know, like you know that fifteen home runs hit like two forty five ish right in that range. Yeah, he's the so guy I paired up. I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm hoping for too. He's the guy I ended up pairing up with JTR. Um, I kind of like missed uh, my secondary talk. I wanted to get, it was one of those drafts where I really wanted to try to get a, a really strong catcher duo instead of like doing a, a usual weight move. So Yeah, I mean, I like to, like I said, when I'm trying to stack these arms and, you know, the ones you like, you like them, but you're not really confident that they can. Right, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, getting guys like Stroman and stuff who had the year off and he's going to be playing for a contract. The Mets should have a much better defense behind him. Uh, you know, that's a guy that, if healthy, he can go. He 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 can throw the inning. Right. So you need to mix in guys like that. You know, I, I know everybody just wants those high strikeout guys and high strikeout guys, but you got to get those guys that can deliver the innings as well. What are your thoughts on guys who completely didn't play last year? Like, especially if they're older. Like, you know, we just talked about age being tough. Like, do you think it's tougher for them? You think, like, are you looking at those guys with a little more – you know, like lenses and saying, you know, can this guy just come back in and, and pick up where he left off? Yeah, no, that, that's a that's a tough question. Uh, a part of me says, like, for David Price, maybe that was the best thing for him, getting right. that year off. He was changing his picks mix. I mean, if he's pitching in Dodger Stadium, it's hard not to like him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I That ballpark, when I lived in L.A., it was like a 15-minute drive. And this is before they actually, like, really fixed it up. And I used to love going there. But there's something about that mound. And uh, it, it'd be hard not to like him. But you still have that added risk. You, you, you're knowing that, you know, once he says he's definitely back in, you know, right now he's, it's kind of like, yeah, but maybe not. So you – but once he says he's back in, it's going to be hard not to take him as one of the more proven arms, I know he's had injuries and stuff, but if he's going to be in the national league, I'm assuming, even though I'm hoping not, it'll be DH at some point because they're going to want the expanded playoffs. Right. So I'm, I'm going to assume that, but if there's not, then you have that benefit as well. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Yeah. Lots of, de- definitely lots of interesting things to, um, um, get involved with when you're doing the DCs and different trends. And it's good to be aware of things as you draft. I, I noticed um, 
immediately like people who just are completely like banking on everything 2020 you know you could just see like the recency bias draft it's like every single pick almost it's just like okay they believe a lot in you know in in last year so it's um again like you said it's cool to get into these dcs i I think if you're if you want to be serious about competing when you know march and april comes along like this this is it's it's better than doing a mock draft that doesn't mean anything like Uh, right yeah yeah exactly I'd rather go masturbate than do a mock draft. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's more productive. It's, it's more productive. productive. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean, but uh, <laughs> you, you know, here's the thing with these draft champions. When you're done, like this was my first week, and I'm kind of doing three at a time now, and maybe I should have spaced it out better. But when you're done, go back and look at it. You know, and you know, try and remember, like. Where was it when I should have took, you know, with whoever? Say it was Goldsmith or Rizzo you wanted. And, you know, be honest with yourself and say, you know what? Here's where I messed up. I don't care who you are. You're going to make some mistakes or have some regrets. You know, some people will never admit that on Twitter, you know. But that, that's, that's going to happen. So right. if you, at least if you're honest with yourself, I think you can learn a lot from them. Right. I, I totally agree. Definitely agree. And like I said, it just it's just – after you do two in a week or, you know, um, or two back to back, it, it, you just already so knee deep into, you know, research and actual indexing draft. Like you said, like you, you have, you see people making um, decisions and you're making decisions yourself and it's just easier to like every draft that you do after that, you're just going to, every pick becomes a little more, you know, clearer to you, uh, you know, as what you want to do. What I'm most worried about now is I've been, like I said, I've been prepping, but I haven't gone like super deep. So once we get into the super deep range is where I need to pick up my game. I need to do that in a hurry. One of the things that hurts is not having first pitch. Like I've been going there, whatever, six, seven years. And you see guys, like I remember seeing Eddie Rosario when he was playing out there, Uh, you know, judge. I remember Cody Bellinger. I didn't really know much about about Cody Bellinger at the time. I'm not a guy that's going to be deep into prospects, you know, knowing guys that are like a couple of years off, but I'll know for that year who should be arriving. And when I got to see the guy in action, I made sure like the 31st round of every draft champions, Cody Bellinger was on my team. And then that paid some nice dividends. Hmm. So not having that is, does hurt. But uh, I, I think, again, the more you do it, helps you chill. Just picking up the, you know, knowing where the guys are going later, what's going on. So, you know, I I think at some point you just can't write about stuff. You got to get into it. It It's like when I worked on Wall Street, we learned by actually picking up the phone or doing stuff like, you know, sitting on the sidelines is good. I'm not saying you got to draft every week or do three drafts at once, but, you know, getting involved with them, I think it's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is, is speaking of draft champions and is it, is it your favorite format on the NFPC or favorite uh, game to play? I love them for the off season for like okay. the whole prep thing. It's great. And I also look at them as something that's, that helps me be profitable. Like if you have a couple, you know, when you play the high stakes and, the NFBC, when you go under high stakes, it's $2,500 and up. 
Yep. And if you're going to pony up an entry fee for $2,500 or $5,000, or like some of these guys do, ten or fifteen, that I've never done. Uh, you know, I haven't gone that high yet. But you need to have other avenues of income because you can draft a great team and things just sometimes won't work out. And you're going up against great players. I mean, the, the half of the excitement is the challenge of actually playing against these guys. And because you know they're very good. You think you're very good. So, you know, I think the draft champion helps there. I mean, auctions I really like, but I would put it to, I'd say this, the high stakes, either auction or, or draft, whichever one I'm doing, because even though it's not an overall, it's a satellite, when you see the strategies these guys pull out, and the higher you go up, it's insane. Like, who just drafts, like, pitching and hits runs and stolen bases, who totally, uh, who totally fades saves. There's so many different strategies going on. And you either got to be the guy where I'm going to just build my best team. The high, like in, in a high stakes thing, on, in an auction, I'm going to go in there with, with, with a couple of guys I want. Like it was in the ultimate auction that I won. I wanted the Grom and I wanted Yell at that, that time. Wow. Those two guys were going to be mine. I'll say that. And then I would, then I'll move my money around from there. But in an auction championship, which I think is a lot of fun, uh, and in that, I'm going to be – if I did two or three of those, I'm going to have different ones. They're going to be totally different. One might be pitching heavy. One might be hitting heavy. One might be, you know, a solid mix of both. So I, I'm, I'm going to play around with that. I think that's int- – yeah, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you about, you know, how, how teams are uh, – different builds of, uh, yeah, yeah, because with the no overall, you know, you just have to beat 14 other guys. So I was Yeah, but you got to beat like 14, 14 excellent, right. excellent players. Oh, 100%. And, right. and these guys have been doing it a lot longer than you. Like, like yeah. I got into the NFBC, I think it was 2013, maybe 2012, you, you know, and – and some of these guys have been doing it since 2004 <laughs> or, wow. or, or whatever they started. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get to see certain people's trends and certain guys, you know, won't draft relievers in, in, in certain formats. Right. So, I mean, you do pick up on certain stuff. I mean, I'm, I've been doing it. I've been doing this for years where I put my stuff out on Twitter, whether it's just in my tweets, if I was writing articles or doing podcasts, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. That's just how I am. And if I have to adjust, I'll adjust, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about that. That's great. Yeah. I think that's good. That's, I don't think you should, you know, like you put yourself out there and you believe what you're saying. And if anyone, mm-hmm. you know, comes into your, you know, uh, strategy, you but, know, right. But as Got far it. as like a team build, just to wrap that one up. Yeah. I mean, I'll have guys or ideas of, you know, who I want. And I like to be aggressive early for the most part because I, I think you'll get some bargains. And when, when I say bargains, maybe it's not like a, like a real big bargain, but say you paid 41 for a Cole or DeGrom and the other guys are going at 38, 39. Later on, you know, the, that last really good pitcher in the top five, he's getting pushed up because he's that last guy. Right. So now you paid 38 for him. 
and I paid 41 for the Grom or 41 for Cole. Uh, I'm going to put guys out there. I, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to throw guys out I like and throw guys out I don't like. Gotcha. And, you know, and there's mm-hmm. certain guys maybe I like at $15 that I would never pay 25 for. So I, I think you just need to, for me, you need to be involved throughout. Uh, I wouldn't be throwing out a price point and say $22 on a guy that I didn't like. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, at some point you got to stop. Right. You got to be smart about it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get caught holding that. I feel like there's three general approaches that like, I kind of consider, or at least I find like that are the most popular. Like the, and for example, you walk into the draft with like, I want, you know, the ground door and Ramirez and you'll pay any amount. Another approach is you have those ranges, you know, is that something that you do like a 30 to 35 that you would say, and, and you're flexible past those numbers or. I think you got to have some sort of cap right. on players. You can't just say come hell or high water. You can maybe go over a dollar or two, whatever. Like say you, you had $41 on coal. 43 is the most you'll pay. I mean, you can't keep just, you can't say I'm going to pay 47 and, and get them. Certain right. people will do that, though. But my advice would be, you got to also do what's comfortable and what works for you. I see so many people, you know, or people want to say, oh, th- this guy does it that way. Yeah, maybe it works well for him. Maybe it don't work for you. Like, like uh, I was really good with math. And, like, traditional math. You start getting into formulas. I can't do the formulas that some of these kids do. Right. I can't. I don't. I don't even attempt to do it. I know that's not my strong point. I I know what I'm good at. I I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not. And some of the information is, all of it's great. Uh, some of it works for me. Some of it doesn't. And you can't be digging in to everything. You got to find the things that work for you. And maybe like every year you add one or two things to it and maybe you take something away. It's like, also you can't listen to everybody. You gotta right. have a knit of uh, a group, a small knit of people that you trust and you respect their opinion. You know, otherwise it's all noise. If you're just gonna, and I'm not saying this one's better or that one's worse, but I mean, for me, that would never work. If at some point, you know, you gotta have conviction in your own ideas as well. 100%. Yeah, great way to end, yeah, end that little, you know, that's point. That's, that's exactly right. And I feel like, too, um, what you said about noise, you know, I think noise is a big thing. You know, you really, if if you spend, like you said, if you spend too much time in in everything, you know, you're not getting great at a couple of little things, right? Something mm-hmm. like to that extent. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um Another another thing with the auctions I wanted to ask you about, mm-hmm. like the end game. Um, are you the type that to m- maybe keep a little extra bank so when guys are going for one, you can go up a little bit? Or is that not something you really worry about? I always want to be that guy that has a couple extra bucks, <laughs> but I'm usually never that guy. Right. And, it, you know, you got to hope sometimes. You got to have guys. The one thing I would say is definitely study the end game. Because there's going to be guys that are, you know, guys you won't think you'll get for a dollar, that you will get. And it's not going to happen all the time. But you need to have a very thorough knowledge of, or just a list of guys that you can get there. Right. I'd recommend saving a couple of bucks, because it's always nice when you can get that guy for $2. And they only got one. But 
Absolutely. I'm usually on the wrong side of that, to be honest with you. I think another thing, too, that's important with the auction draft, maybe you feel the same way, is like really recognizing when maybe all of a sudden you're looking around or you're noticing uh, every guy that's getting bought is going for like lower and lower and then what maybe they would you know like did that point in the draft that tipping point where like maybe the money dries up and being cognizant of it right to like at least maybe adjust your values a little bit right well i'll say this i'm i've never been the guy that left the draft with any kind of money or had to spend you know 15 dollars on the last guy just to do it at some point if you don't realize that you know Basically, the money's gone. Like, the good mm-hmm. players are gone. And great, you're going to get more of these guys, but now you're overpaying for those. I, I personally don't think that's a successful way. But, you know, maybe for others, it, it works. I, it's just – it's so different. But I think that point you made is, is critical. You have to know what's going on in the room, and you, you just don't want to get stuck where you got all this money – and those guys aren't there. It's a like, bad feeling, bro. It's a bad yeah. It's <laughs> like you're gonna be like, okay, yeah, you got the extra couple of dollars to get that guy, but now you're overpaying for him, right? You know, you got him, but right. And then you just always have the hammer, and you just never get a yeah, chance to use I, it. I definitely <laughs> like to have have a couple of foundation players, right? Uh, you know, like I said, sometimes in the auction champions. I'll do just when I'll go heavy on pitching and see what I can do. For me, it's it's more of I know the guys I like. I'll know the dollar amounts from the auction uh, values, so I'll know the range. And a lot of it for me is just doing it there. Like I, I worked on Wall Street for ten years. I'm good with numbers. I know how to do it. So that's my way. I'm not a guy that writes everything down to like the Certain people do that, and they're damn successful. So if that works for you, then do that. Right. Absolutely. Um, one one other question I had um, that kind of popped in my head. Um, so have you have you done the auction draft champions? They they do have that, right? The auction draft champions. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, they were unfortunately a lot of those got canceled those, last year, right? Those yeah. in the onlines all, all got canceled. Those are a lot of fun. Right. And I wanted to know, sorry, I, I just wanted to know, like, is it knowing like that once the reserves hit, it's just, it's just snake. Does that change any approach like in, 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 in what you're spending? Is it change at all from like a lead that has fab? I yeah, guess. no, there's definitely a, a, a huge difference. When, when I know I have fab, I'll be more, uh, I'll take more risk because I know I can, you know, I can add guys. There's going right. to be a player pool for me to uh, pick from, and there's going to go guys that there's going to be guys that weren't drafted there and stuff. So yeah, I'll definitely uh, be more aggressive in that. That in the DC one, I think you really want to have a stronger end game because there's some of those guys that if you could pick off correctly at the end uh, before it goes to the draft, you're mm-hmm. going to have a big advantage on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. This is all good stuff. I, I really love doing an auction draft and, you know, I, my yeah, one, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is just a, you know, a chance to go out and, you know, and their do. system is really good now. The, the right. auction system. Yeah. Uh, 
that I'm right now. What I'm waiting for, I'll, I'll do draft champions and all that. I'm just waiting for at the end of this month for MLB to say we're either starting on time or pushing it back two weeks, pushing it back a month. I want to know that before I start ponying up for you know bigger leagues and get. I mean, I have my my trip's been booked since November, so if it starts on time, I'll be in Vegas March 24th. I'm ready to go. Uh, got my room, my plane ticket, so ready to rock and roll. But if it gets pushed, then we'll see. I, I won't do like last year. Here, here's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> I, I will not let FOMO uh, get the best of me. Like last year, after April 15th, I mean, I did the last like on, online champions draft they had. It was like late night, April 15th. I didn't look at stuff for three months. Like, you know, I didn't pay no attention. I didn't think there was going to be a baseball season. And then I was like, eh, hey, even if they have it, it might not last. And then I was like, okay, I'll do like one or two to support them. And then you want to partner and you want to do it. And that's when I should have sat out. I'll say that. And thankfully, I did enough draft champions. I mean, I got a second place with Vlad. So, I mean, I was happy with that. But I just wasn't really into it the way I was normally and all that. And I had other things going on. So, you know, it's just, it's tough when everybody starts drafting. It's tough not right. to. Yeah, it's I not know. like, you know, everybody else is doing it. And you know how much fun it is. And once you break the seal, it's tough. Right, right, right. Especially too, like last year I was so gung-ho and getting involved in the NFPC and then, you know, I didn't want to let all my preparation just go. So I'm like, of course I'm going to get into leagues, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah it's, like, I, it's like that flip side. Here, here's something that I think uh, that's really important. Like the first year I did it, I did two satellite leagues. I did a 250 and a 500. Okay. I won the 500. I either won the 250 or I finished second. So I had like almost five grand of their money, and that's how I did my first uh, main event. I wasn't, you know, dropping, you know, seventeen hundred or twenty five hundred on on leagues. And there's plenty of price points. There's qualifiers now for main events. Absolutely. So I think the price points are there for everyone now. It's you know, I'm not saying if you just start, you shouldn't go jump into like these crazy leagues. You know, there's a process you can do it. There's a process that if you think, you know, you were owning your home leagues and you want something more challenging, do a satellite league. You, you know, you, right. you do one of those, you win that. Then you can take that money, like, you know, you could parlay that money into another league, uh, in, in, into a main event next year or something else. It's What you want to do is get it to where you're using their money and not your money. Right, 100%. That's the, that's yeah. the goal. That's definitely, definitely, and that was my goal too. Like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, really, good, right? I just, <laughs> I was like, all I need to do is, you know, try to win one of these leagues. I was like, win a draft champion. I wasn't even trying to win the overall. Just like, let me just try to win this league, you know. And that's why I like kind of semi punted saves, you know. So I was like, <laughs> uh, let me just try to win this league, and yeah, everything fell fell into place for that. It was that's just, a beautiful thing. God bless. Yeah, it was a beautiful feeling, and um, yeah, so I. You know, I know, like, back when I really started getting on Twitter and getting involved with, you know, I knew I wanted to, because like I just mentioned, I, I played my home league, it was doing well, and I told my wife, like, I'm like, I want to get involved with NFBC stuff, I want to play against, you know, great competition, and 
I remember, you know, getting on Twitter and starting following people and, you know, reading everything I could. Like you said, you know, trying to find out who I could really like lean on to like, you know, good information. I was reading a ton of The Athletic, I was reading your stuff, but I just remember, you know, seeing your tweet, your, your, I just painted my Mona Lisa tweet, you know, and I just, I remember that just sticking in my head because it was motivation. Like, like you said, you know, you're not just going to all of a sudden come and win all these leagues, but it just stares you in the face like, wow, like, like, this is, this is amazing. Like, this is not definitely a, not easy to do a thousand percent, but also it's like, wow, like this is, this is, this is, this is possible, you know, like if you mm-hmm. put your craft, you know, and it, it was a lot of motivation. So there's my, my main thing I was trying to say, like it, it was, I just remember it would be a ton of motivation for me to be like, awesome. right, I really yeah, want to get better. <laughs> you know, and I gotta- well, look, I mean, the first time I went to Vegas, I, I mean, I used it as motivation. I remember sitting there watching the platinum draft. It was $20,000 per entry. Wow. You know, people are doing some crazy shit. <laughs> but it, it was, I wasn't even in it. I mean, it was exciting. I wanted to be in it. And, you know, and that's like 2018 was a really good year for me. But there was heartbreak. Like, that, like the last day I, I lost the, my main event league. I had 127 points I finished with. Probably the best team I ever drafted. And I was like 10th overall or 11th. And I wanted to finish in second. And then in another league, I, you know, and I was like, I remember being like, it, I won nice money that year, but I remember being like, ah. And then the following I see year, I see everything, yeah. everything um, hit. Everything, everything hit the list. That's amazing. You know, it, yeah. it came together. That last week was like, you know, it, it all came together after having, you know, a little bit of heartbreak. I see that eight and a half points um, better on that main event that came in second in that one league, and you were, and it was fifteen um, spots better in the overall. That's that's some that's that's something else. <laughs> what about like uh, Scott Jenstadt, who's an awesome main event player? I mean, he's he's a great guy, excellent player. Like, if people want to play the main event, they got questions. I think like Scott's one of the great guys to ask him. I think he finished twenty first overall in the main event last year, but didn't cash. Like, that's crazy. But that wow. happens sometimes. Like, yeah. You get in these leagues, like, you get in a league, and it's like, you know, you're fourth, you're 21st, and you didn't get any money. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely – Oh man, it's definitely something else. When you when you've had these successful years, do you have you had like a lot of um like one player on like you know like in twenty nineteen with all the first place and second and third? Did you have like a spread out portfolio of players, or were there a couple of players that were like really the biggest anchors on those teams? I mean, I'll diversify, but there'll be, be like certain guys. Like I know in uh, twenty nineteen, there was a lot of Degrom or Cole. Those were two guys, you know, I wanted to get a lot of Yellick. Uh, and, like, sometimes you have, like, plans. Like, people say, like, oh, don't draft all outfields. Back in 2018, I, ha- I drafted Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Christian Yellick, Garrett Cole, and Ronald Acuna. And, like I said, that was probably – that team was probably the best main event team I ever drafted. I really had a shot at one point for the overall – and I, you know, me and Heberling were just going back and forth. We were the two uh, top. But, you know, that was a different strategy. I drafted four, you know, outfielders. Some people will say I would never do that. I want the stats is, is what I want. If you, if you can produce in a 
across the board in categories, I really don't care where you play. I'll figure it out. I get I, I I totally agree with that outfield thing. It's I I I hear a lot of that and my usual go to is, you know, just get them when I can when I feel comfortable getting those stats. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so that's some good stuff. I mean, you had you, you know, you, you played in in, in a su- a super, right? And and that's that's what you said, twenty five hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and super and the, the ultimate, ultimate auction. And what's the ultimate? That's a higher price point than the super, That's right? That's five. Yeah. That's five. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, those are those are those are pretty competitive league that you're playing in. And <laughs> I like how you I like how you mentioned earlier in the podcast. I want to go a little deeper on this. Like you know, like the um, you know stepping into the arena part of like you know like that's where like all that adrenaline just kicks in, right? And you're just drafting, yeah. and you know that you have to bring everything to the table, right? For for me, for me, it's the closest thing walking into like in, in, into a room in Vegas for for a live event. The main event out there is sick. There's like seven tables, but even for these high stake ones, it's the closest feeling I've gotten to when I worked on Wall Street and I walked onto the trading floor that morning and I, maybe I knew I had a big order or you know, it, it's just. You know, the, the adrenaline's there, the, the competitiveness. I mean, like I said, you're playing against – it's not even that you, – you might be really good, but you're playing against 14 other guys that, for the most part, are, are really good. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's 12. Maybe there's two guys in there that just got money and they don't belong. But for the most part, you know, the, the majority of that room you're going up against are guys that are really good at it. They grind. I mean, I got into fantasy baseball in like 2007 was my first year that I did it. And I only did it because I had moved to, I moved to California. I got on National Treasure 2. It was the first movie I worked on. And I became friends with one of the guys on there. And then I became friends with like his roommates and stuff like that. And in the spring, like, you know, fantasy baseball came about. And I never played it. And they were like, oh, you know, you love baseball. You should play with us. And I was like, man, and then I was like, you know what? I just, I met these guys. It's something, you know, and that's how I got into fantasy baseball. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty awesome story. Yeah. You just stumbled into that. <laughs> I mean, look, I've always loved baseball. Like growing up, I, I loved it. I mean, before, like when I was like the eighties, like micro league baseball in the Commodore 64 was like the coolest game. <laughs> before we, you know, before we, we have this now, Xbox Five, PlayStation Five, but right. I, I've always loved baseball. Uh, you know, maybe it was more romantic when you're younger and stuff like that. Like, if I had to choose, I was so happy the Mets won when I was 13 in 1986. Like that to me was like a prime time for them to win. It was, it was a great feeling. Right, that's that's awesome. I mean, I remember I was only six, but I re- I remember so many things of that of that time. Like I remember when they clinched the pennant because my brother this is a pretty crazy story, but my brother, um, when they clinched the pennant, he ran on the field when everyone mobbed the field and he stole that. <laughs> he stole Daryl's hat right off his head and, <laughs> and he fucking bounced with it. And he, you know, he still has it. Cause I remember him waking me up in the middle of the night and, you know, he's like, I got Daryl's hat. And it's, I'm like, what? Doc and Daryl. I love those too. Right. That was my, yeah, that was my first love fest with baseball. You know, I was only six years old, but just, you know, everything I wanted, 
everything was dark and down. Like I wanted strawberry, everything in my food. And I had, you know, like I pitched, I pitched when I was like seven and eight and it said Dr. K on my glove, you know, like those were, those were like, you know, the first, like my idol to baseball, you know, growing yeah, up. No, he, yeah. 19, you know, that turn when they went from like laughing stocks to an actual good team was pretty amazing. They added Hernandez, Carter. It was a lot of fun. We got a shot this year or what? I'm hoping. They got to they gotta make some moves. We need another pitcher. So I'm not saying – I don't want to give Bauer a long-term deal. I would take a Sonny Gray trade. I would have loved Darvish. But I'll take Sonny Gray. You know? I like that idea of a Sonny Gray trade. Yeah. I didn't, Cincinnati I seems to want to, like, you know, unload. And that's – what does he have, two years left? And it's pretty fun, like 10, 10 mil a year. Pretty good, pretty good price. Definitely. I'd, I'd rather see them get Lindor. Uh, I mean, I think Springer's a hell of a player. I just don't think he's a center fielder. You know, is he going to be a long – you sign him to like a four- or five-year deal. How, how much center field can he play? Right, right. I would love to try to get him to, th- you know, three. If you want to load him up on three, maybe. But still, it's still a risky play. It's still not something yeah. I'm in love with, you know. What about Rosario? Do you and uh, a general sense for Met fans and for fantasy wise, who you think he? I mean, it, it's it's not so long ago when he was just you know fifteen fifteen lock, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think I think given the opportunity, I don't think he's going to be with the Mets this year. Whatever trades they do, I think he's going to be one of those guys packaged. Uh, but I for fantasy, I, I I kept wanting to take him. I just had to like fill other holes. And but I, I think he's a good fantasy pick where he's going, you know, from those early twenties, mid twenties. Because right. like you said, he's got that, you know, fifteen, fifteen upside. And just hypothetically, he won he he uh, got traded to Cleveland. He's gonna play every day. You know, it's not gonna right. be like with the Mets where they got this new kid or they trade for Lindor or wherever he got traded to. I think wherever he gets traded to, he's gonna be playing every day. And have that chance to put up the stats again. Two months is tough to kill anybody, especially with the whole COVID, and you know, guys being away from their families, and it's it, it, it was a wacky. And like I said, props to everybody. You know, props if you you know who you know, like Freddie Freeman. I look at that. The guy was like said he was on his deathbed, and then went out and he won the MVP. And then other guys, other guys could never get it going. Right. It, it's such a big thing, you know, it's either it's what guys are made of or, you know, it just hits guys differently, right? I mean, it's all... Yeah, I would stick with the guys you thought were good entering 2020 and the guys that succeeded. Just look and look, does this justify what they did? And if you believe that, then yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I, I would also look at, like you said, like what Phil was saying, I, I know that was a hot topic even a few months ago, Well, you know, with the competition in, in, in both centrals, you know, the AL and the NL central. Absolutely. It was, you know, right, I know that. so for that, I'm going to look at, I don't care that you Darvish is 35. I, I know he got hurt. You know, he had injuries in the past, but his last like 30 starts, when he made, you saw he, that his pitch mix was different. He got his personal catcher. Uh, it, he's been a totally different pitcher. The guy doesn't walk anybody now. Right. Uh, and maybe the short season is is a help to him, 
<laughs> you know, that, you know, that wear and tear was only a couple of months. It wasn't six months. It was two months. Right. And, and the veteran guys, I do think, are going to be more likely to maintain their throwing and be better at it, put it that way, more experienced. Right. Good point. Yeah, like they're they're more set in their routine than they're you know and know how to get themselves to the point where they have to pitch. I I feel the same way about those veteran kind of pitches. You know, sneaky like uh, just to keep my eye on like Jay Happ. I got him in like you know I pit like four thirty or four twenty mm-hmm. something like that. You're a guy I just think like he'll be able to sign wherever and just throw throw one hundred fifty innings, one hundred sixty innings. You know. Um, yeah, so I have some listener questions that were sure. uh, thrown in, so um, we'll get into them real quick. Cause, and uh, so we have the first one from Nate Markham at Nate Markham. He says, "Considering it is my brand and the brand of at Perfectly Framed Podcast, has uh, Matt's approach to drafting relief pitching changed over the years? And do they do you draft as they fall, or do you double bang in the middle rounds, or do you wait and attack in fab?" I, I like I said, I definitely try and get the the one guy. Doesn't have to be the top guy. Like I said, like right now, I think Hendricks is really good, and I think he'll close somewhere. But if I'm not paying that price, then it's probably like I'm gonna try and pick off a Presley or a Rosenthal, guys that skills I like. Put it that way, and then try and get maybe like a Hicks later on. I right now I don't want to invest too much in most of them. Like I said, one league I took one in the fifth and the tenth. So you it, said it, Hicks? It change. Yeah, even like a Jordan Hicks. You think he's gonna be the guy coming out of that bullpen? I think you know he had all last year off. So if if he's ready to go, I think he's the guy that's gonna get the shot. Now, can he keep it? Is he fully healthy? That I'm not sure, but I think he's gonna get the shot. I yeah. think they're a better team when they have him there doing it. But, well, you know, there's no guarantee on that. But in the 18th round, you know, right. it's a, a little easier to do. you got to take some specs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right somewhere. Um, let's see. So, uh, at Chalupa Man, at Guy Ride 22 he said, are you preparing for the season with conviction of 162 game, or are you willing – to target starting pitches who may top back closer to 150 than 180 in anticipation of a shortened season? Uh, I really hope it's at least 140 games this year. I think they really do want to get it on time. Uh, will that happen? I'm not sure. Uh, if there is a delay, I'm hoping it's only a couple of weeks. And the anticipation, I mean, pretty much after the, you know, say your top 10, maybe top 12. There's not a lot of guys that are going to go that 180. If you want to say going into this year, 180 is the new 200 or whatever, you know, that 150, 160 is going to work. And you'll just have to, you know, if, if, if it's, say it's not a DC league, say it's a fab league, you got to have that pitching planner out and be like ahead of the game, taking guys two weeks in advance. That's what the successful guys do. They got the pitching planner. When they're doing fab, they're doing it two weeks out. So they right. know that guy's coming. You know, that's really, one, you spend less money on it. And two, the following week, it's more competitive. Other guys, smart guys are going to have it. So that's the way I would look at it. Get, draft, good, draft good arms. Like, draft good pitchers for the most part. And then you got to take some chances. Look, you're going to be wrong. 
There's nothing wrong with being wrong. You just got to be right a lot more. Right. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the best way to put it. We, we are going to be wrong. You just got to be right just a little bit more. And the fab, the, the fab, pl- the pitching planner is definitely crucial. Um, definitely yeah. saw how much um, I needed to be more aware of that in this year's main event. I, I saw, I saw people beating me like, way ahead and I was like, okay. Yeah, I said, I, my <laughs> advice is look the two weeks out. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, so we have a shrimpo captain of, Friend of the podcast, Graham, um, he wants to know, I believe Matt had Bueller as his number one starting pitcher heading into last season. Are you back in? And how often do you throw players, uh, bids on players you do not want to get the room spending in an auction? I know Bueller is definitely up there. I don't think I had him higher than uh, Cole at the ground. The ground was my number one, Cole. But uh, it, it just didn't happen for Bueller. Uh, and that's, like, that's the difference. Like, just say... I, I, and then I'm talking about me. Say you liked Bueller and Bieber last year. Say you had them, whatever, four and five or five and six. And you had to choose between those two. If you chose Bieber, your season went a lot different than if you chose Bueller. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. I, I look, I still think Bueller is, is a horse. I think he's thrown the innings already. We've seen seasons where combining the majors and the minors, he's, he's been 177 and Another year, 182. So I'm not afraid of him getting the innings. Uh, the slow start is, you know, probably my biggest concern with him. Uh, but I think he – this is the year. But look at the Dodgers rotation right now. Uh, I mean, Kershaw is just getting older. He needs maintenance. Uh, I mean, there's Dustin May. I, I mean – Gonsolin, I think, should definitely be in there, but I don't even know if he's in there. Right. So when when you start looking deeper in it, is David Price going to pitch this year? We don't know for 100% right now. So I, I think Bueller is definitely needed, and I don't think the Dodgers are, like, content that they won their first World Series since 1988, so now they can lay off the gas. No. They have all the TV money in the world. They have all the money in the world, basically. Them and the Yankees. And, you know, this is a team that wants to have a dynasty. They're deep. Most of it is, I got to give them credit, you know, was, was done through their farm system and stuff. Look, mm-hmm. they, they were able to trade for Mookie Betts and give him that the, the contract he deserved, but they were able to do that. Not every team could. But uh, it wasn't just a team that went out and bought stars and, you know, all that. But I, I think this is the year Bueller has to step up. Do I have some hesitation? Yeah, I mean, after you saw last year with the blisters and stuff, but I think he's a top 10 pitcher. Uh, if it's in the back of the second round, I'm taking Bueller. I'll take my chances there. Uh, like I said, I, I love that mound. I think Dodger Stadium is, is, a, is a bonus for them. The only real tough team for me is the Padres are in there. Yes, you got to go to Coors, but, you know, so be it. Right, I'll take, yeah. I'll take all the other bonuses that come with it. 100%. Definitely agree with that whole assessment on Bueller. Um, Mr. Ryan Bloomfield, that Ryan BHQ, our 
Oh, the boards. The bloom boards, the master. Best boards out there. Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal boards. Love Ryan. He's uh Yeah, he's a great. He's a solid dude, Ryan. Hundred percent solid dude. He. So he obviously said he don't want you to give away the source, but he he was calling out how um, he loves the way you do your indexing, your projections on tweets, and he said he'd love to just get a little glimpse into your process of, of doing that. Uh, I mean, I like to – I mean, as far as my tweets, I just like numbers. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not a guy that can do a formula for you. Uh, it would be laughable. I can't even read half of these formulas. <laughs> But I, I like to look at numbers. I like to find stats that are appealing. And look, you can manipulate stuff. But for me, it was going back to, say, July 1st of last year. And then even expanding it to, say, say the start of 2019. Seeing how these guys work. And uh, I, I get some Sonny Gray hate out there. Look, Sonny Gray has flaws. But he's been one of the best pitchers uh, out there. So, I don't know. I just try and look. Things pop in. To my head, like sometimes it's like randomly having my coffee and I'm like, oh, wait, let me see this or somebody else can tweet something and it'll spark something totally different for me about that player that I was thinking about. Like, uh, what's his name? Shout out to Bubba. He was talking about Tommy Pham versus Grissom. Right. I was thinking about that myself and then I was like, oh, wait, let me pull this up real quick. And their numbers, like their projections are identical. I'm right. not telling you this. I, I, I don't swear on projections and stuff like that. But you just look at the steamer projection. It is basically identical. And it's like, you know, guys going tw- twice the amount later. So, But, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Ryan does fantastic boards. Those are, I'm so happy they're back. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always amazed by that, finding those guys where you look at you know, you're seeing the same exact thing, you know, like, and like, what's the difference here? What well, that's what, missing, right? That may be one of the reasons why I started taking Randy uh, Rosarena. So I'm looking at him and Lewis Robert. I mean, Lewis Robert, better prospect and all that. But I think he's got a lot more swing and miss in his game right now. Or, you know, I, I think maybe um, a Rosarena can, you know, have, I'm, I'm more worried about Robert's batting average, let's say. Right. The dude's going to hit monster bombs and steal a bunch of bases. But if I can get the guy with a similar profile two rounds later, I'll, I'll, if I'm going to gamble, I'd rather gamble two rounds later. I'd rather grab that starting pitcher in the second, say, and right. then take, uh, take that guy in the fourth. Totally makes sense. Absolutely. Um, my last question here is from uh, Wake Up at Wake Up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Um, he says, Matt, when are you just going to shave it off already? <laughs> at some point, <laughs> not yet, not yet. Maybe when I get back in shape, we'll shave it off. <laughs> That's awesome, cool, Matt. So I appreciate you coming on the show with me and uh, talking about all this fun stuff. This fun stuff that we like to get into into this uh, draft season. You know, I think um, I I came away with a whole bunch of great insights for me. You know, yeah, it's, no, uh, it's, I love. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> I definitely recommend to everybody that. If you can do it, if it works out, say, when COVID's finally over, I understand that. But getting out to the live events, whether it's New York, L.A., uh, Vegas especially, you know. And even, like, first pitch Arizona is another fantastic uh, time. Like I said, I I think I've gone – I know I've gone at least six, if not seven years in a row, up up until it got canceled for COVID. Right. 
I, I, I 100% plan on getting to, I don't know if I'm going to do both this year, but one or the other. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely want to do the first pitch because I've been dying to do that a lot longer than, you know, wanted to get out to like a live league. Since I yeah, no, I, again. I, the, uh, the, the first pitch is, it's, it's a fun weekend. You get to watch some, you know, really good, young, talented players. And it's just a fun time with a, with, with a lot of good people. Right, right. I know. HQ just, does a fantastic job. I got to give them props on that. Hundred percent. Yeah, they definitely. Um, I definitely been dying to get out there and do that. So hopefully, um, this uh, this November. It's that's the time around my birthday too. So this 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 year I wanted to do it, and then I got hurt at work, and so I couldn't go anywhere, and that kind of sucked. And then obviously, uh, COVID struck and all that garbage. So, but uh. Yeah, Matt, again, I appreciate you taking the time out on, uh, you know, on a night here to come out and talk some fantasy with me. And uh, maybe as we get closer to the year and we get closer to draft, maybe we'll hop on again and do a nice, nice little refresher for everybody out there. Uh, sounds good. It's my pleasure. Best of luck in 2021. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully it's wealthy as well. <laughs> uh, absolutely, Matt. All right. Take care, man. Have a good night. You too. Alrighty, guys, that will conclude this episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. Thank you for listening. Again, if you have the time, you could take a chance to rate and review the podcast. That would be much appreciative. And get me up on Twitter at that pole hitter and talk some fantasy baseball. All right. See you on the next one, guys. And remember, don't be a bag of shit.